the sermon cast from King Road Church. It's our desire that God uses this message to bring you closer to Him. If you'd like to pray with someone, speak with one of our pastors, or if you're looking for more resources, please go to kingroad.ca, scroll down on the homepage, and fill out the Reach Out fillable. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. So today we're going to be continuing in the What's the Point series. We're in the third one, A New Community. So turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. Um, a year ago, the internet was abuzz with a certain event that was taking place in the world. Uh, you might think, oh, it was the overturning of Roe versus Wade in the States. No, that wasn't it. You might be thinking it was coming out of the COVID pandemic and people were talking about that. No, that wasn't it. It was Team Amber versus Team Johnny. And a lot of you are like, what? Like, I know, you might not know what that is. So here it is, okay? Johnny Depp used to be married to a girl named Amber Heard. And Amber brought some charges against him that he was abusive in the marriage and she... Uh, for a lot of people, thought these charges were kind of trumped up and whatever, and so she was suing him, or she was going after him with these things, and newspapers were reporting it and all this stuff. So Johnny brought a defamation suit against her. So he was suing her for defaming him. And this was the biggest thing on the internet a year ago. A year ago today, the biggest thing out there, this trial. And you had people putting on their... Instagram profiles and on their Twitter pages, which team they were on. Hashtag Team Amber, hashtag Team Johnny. And our, our world was, our world was going through all of these other things around us. And yet this is what the biggest story on the internet is and what everybody's a buzz about. Boy, we divide over some weird things, don't we? We, cho- we choose to put our flag in a camp of something that we have nothing to do with sometimes. And it's so interesting how we do that. What are we looking for? We do this with sports, too. After yesterday on Twitter, I went on Twitter this morning and looked. Hashtag Oilers Nation. Hashtag Leafs Nation. And yes, the Leafs finally won something. It's amazing. Yes, they have something to celebrate. But this is... This is what we do, and, and when we put ourselves in a certain camp this way, we are automatically saying, we're not in the other camp. So the Oilers nation was celebrating when the Kings nation in L.A. was sad. But then, of course, we see people dividing over bigger issues as well, issues of race, economic status, political parties, On and on they go. But deep down, I think these divisions are a symptom of something else that's in us, something that's deeper within us, a deeper God-given desire that we actually have in us, a desire for community, a desire for belonging. And if you aren't finding that in in your world around you, if you aren't finding that in your family or in your school, you can go online and now you can find special groups that now you can 
Go into those groups and put yourself in there with the, the hashtags and whatever it is and become a part of that community, even though it's not really a community. So I think God has given us this desire for this within us, in our hearts, to belong to something. And, but like the old song says, they're looking for love in all the wrong places. The right place to look is in Christ. Which means the right place to look is the church. So through the spread of the gospel, Jesus is creating a new community, not based on secret handshakes or matching jackets or hashtags, but based on him and being found in him. So turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 3. Uh, the church in Galatia, who the Apostle Paul is writing to here, is dealing with a serious division along the lines of law versus faith. And when I say law, I'm not just talking about the, the Roman rules that surrounded them. I'm talking about the Old Testament law versus faith. This is the dividing line that's there. Paul has gone to them and given them the gospel that they are saved by faith, and yet some people from within are saying, but we have to still do all of these Jewish traditions and customs in order to actually be good Christians. And Paul's making it clear to them in this passage that it's the gift of faith that God uses to adopt us into the family. It's the gift of faith that brings us into the community together. And this aspect of the gospel brings the most unlikely people together in community into the family of God. So the big idea for today's message is faith in Jesus brings the most unlikely people together as family. And there's three points. First one, the family you didn't know you needed. Second, the community you didn't know you wanted. And third, the inheritance you didn't know was promised. So the first point, the family you didn't know you needed. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 says this. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Jumping in at this point, you might fairly ask, what's Paul talking about? Well, the law he's talking about, like I mentioned, is the Old Testament scriptures that the Jews had followed for centuries, and the Old Testament law and the different things that that God had stated back in the Old Testament that it meant to be a part of the Jewish community and the Jewish nation. There were specific laws and things that had to be done, circumcision for baby boys on the eighth day, and 600 and some other laws to follow in order for them to stay in the land. That's the law that he's talking about. So the law of Moses. And Paul is saying that now that Christ has come and brought in justification by faith, the law isn't void, the law isn't useless, the law acts as a guardian for people. Guardian until Christ came. So think of this, this word guardian, it's like an ancient au pair. And some of you are like, what's an au pair? Okay, and live in nanny. 
Okay, some people in our congregation have actually worked in other countries as au pairs. They've gone there and they've lived with a family, raising up the kids, uh, teaching the kids, disciplining the kids when the, when the parents aren't around. This is what the word guardian means. So Paul is saying that the Old Testament law acts as a guardian, acts as an au pair to us or to the people that he was writing to until Christ came. So, and, and when Christ came, then they matured out of that phase of needing the guardian, needing the au pair. And now they are in Christ, redeemed, and have received justification by faith. And this word justification means that God has declared us forgiven, redeemed, and adopted us into his family. This word, that's what the word justification is. So justification by faith, God gives us the gift of faith. And therefore now, because we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are justified, we are presumed and declared innocent, even though we aren't. We're declared innocent because of who Christ is, and we are now found in him by faith in him. So salvation is by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that's the gospel. Yet even though Paul had preached this to them, and they knew this, they had heard this when, God, when Paul had done his missionary travels and planted the churches in Galatia, he had said this, justification is by faith alone, in Christ alone. And now there were some divisions. Because some people had come into the church and started bringing this false teaching that they now had to obey the old law. we got to go back to the guardian, they said. So just for the context, so you get, so you understand what's happening, I think it's helpful for us to look back at chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. You can see what Paul says here. He's got some very strong words. And he says, I am astonished. So he's writing to the same church in Galatia, beginning of the book, beginning of the letter to the churches in Galatia. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, let him be accursed. So look at that word accursed. This is a very strong word that Paul is using here. This is not something that's saying that you should just be wary of them. No, he is pronouncing judgment on them for the false teaching that they're brought in. And he says this word twice here. You can feel, it, it, you can feel the, the rage within him. He's, he's got probably like steam coming off the paper as he's writing and, and like steam coming out of his ears because he's got so much anger directed towards these people that have brought in this false teaching. And so when he says accursed here, he's saying to hell with them. That's how strong this is. And it's not directed to people outside the church. 
Please notice that. He's not directing it to the, the culture around them who's trying to pressure them to do different things. No, he's directing it at those within the church who are distorting the gospel. This is the kind of division that the Galatian church was dealing with. And they needed to have their understanding of what the law and the gospel was. That's the whole point of the letter of Galatians and what Paul is getting to even in the text that we're looking at today as we talk about a new community. He's saying you have to know what you're joined under. You're not under the guardian. You're under faith in Christ. And so he continues in verse 25 of chapter 3. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So you see how you come into God's family? It's through faith in Christ. And they're adopted as what? Sons of God. Some other translations will just say children of God, but that robs it of its full meaning. Because what Paul's doing here is he's saying both men and women are being adopted into God's family as sons of God. And the importance of that is that in those ancient cultures in that day, and even in today's culture, to get an inheritance in your family, you need to be a son. If you're a daughter in those families, if in some cultures, you have no hope of getting inheritance. But here, what Paul is doing, he's saying to the men and the women of the churches of Galatia, listen, you are both raised up, being adopted into God's family as sons who receive the inheritance that God has for you. It's powerful. In other words, in a culture where being a son meant everything, Paul was telling even the daughters in the church that now in Christ, they had the same standing with God in Christ as a son. This blessing that we have in the church is something that we should be celebrating regularly. This doctrine of adoption, there's far more to it than even what I can get into this morning, but it is such a beautiful doctrine because as as human beings, we have not just been neutral parties apart from God and like friendly with him, but because of our sin, we've been rebellious against him. So he's adopted us in as children and calls us now sons of God and so places us inheritance-wise, on the same level as Jesus. It's amazing. For some of you, you're probably thinking, well, how can that be? Because we look back on our lives and we think about the things that we've done and the things we've said and the people we've hurt, and we go, man, I am far from Jesus. I'm nothing like Jesus. How can I be adopted and be considered the same as Jesus? Well, here's why. Because it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And when we've put our faith and our trust in him, when we've had our hearts changed by the Holy Spirit, when we've been given that new identity in Christ, we are now in Christ. And now in God's family, we are inheritors of the entirety of God's kingdom. In other words, friends, 
when you think about a new community or a new family, you need this family. You need this community. Not because we're great, not because you're great, but because Jesus is great. And when you're found in Christ, you are then found in his family. And we should be there together with each other, supporting each other, blessing each other, and loving each other. But this family of God also serves as a community made up of people from all different walks. So on to point number two, the community you didn't know you wanted. Galatians 3.28 says this, There is therefore neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Notice the different categories. Nationality doesn't matter. Economic status doesn't matter. Gender doesn't matter. Greek, female slaves, wealthy Jewish men, all on the same footing at the cross of Christ. I know in our culture that that is not that astonishing to say that, but in that, in their culture, this was absolutely ground shaking and earth shattering. That we are all, regardless of your economic status, your nationality, or your bloodline, or your gender, you are all on equal ground at the foot of the cross. So think of the implications of this for us. If this is what it means to be in the community of believers, that we can be there and we're all on, on equal footing. You have more in common with the Palestinian believer than you do with a Mennonite non-believer. You are more closely related to the Christian prostitute in Mumbai than you are to the virgin atheist in Winkler, Manitoba. Being a part of the community of God is built on faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not built on your economic status, not built on your bloodline, or what other division you can find. This is why churches are made up of all sorts of different people, where we can have Indian backgrounds and German backgrounds and Russian backgrounds and Brazilian backgrounds, people raised in super liberal families in Seattle and super self-righteous families in Paraguay. People who have struggled against sexual sin, people who continually struggle with gossip. Being a part of this community isn't about bloodlines or customs. It isn't about what we do. It's about being united in Christ through Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 say this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. In verse 10, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
And the fruit of being part of this community that has received this mercy from God, this people who once were not a people, is experiencing the grace of God through each other in community. The Holy Spirit working in and through us, into the church, into each other, to illustrate the grace that Jesus has given us. You think about it, if it's like a, if it's like a conduit, this is a common phrase, right? You think of a downspout, right? From a, from a roof to the ground, it's got the roof get, or the, the rain comes on the roof, goes down the downspout and goes out. This is what we are to be of God's grace. God uses us. He pours his grace into us in Christ. And now we are to bring that grace out to others. And to illustrate what it means to be a part of a community of faith like that, I'm going to ask Pastor Flavius uh, from Cornerstone Romanian Canadian Church uh, to come back up here and to share a little bit about his life. So Flavius, tell us a little bit. Um, your life hasn't always been easy. Yeah, that's So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, you, you may have guessed a little bit about... Um, uh, you know, I wasn't born here, potentially, you know, you, you kind of knew that. I'm, I, I was born in Romania, and uh, at about the age of 13, uh, my parents, my mom and dad, and uh, uh, we decided to, they decided to immigrate to Canada, so I came over here. It was a very kind of new experience at that time. Uh, thought everything was just, you know, like a deer in the headlights, uh, coming from a complete different country. At that time, the internet wasn't a thing. We didn't really know too much about it, so... Um, but yeah, you know, and um, I came here and, um, you know, uh, did, did the, the normal life and grew up in high school, went to university, did all that thing. And uh, uh, it was just an amazing, amazing time. But throughout all those, those years, the Church of God, the Church of Christ, um, you know, God showed his grace to me personally uh, and through, our, through our, my family. Now I have here my lovely wife, Lydia. Um, and she's an amazing woman that we see that again ongoing, but, um, some of you may not know there was a kind of a a difficult time in my life about 11 years ago. Um, I was married before and uh, 11 years ago, one uh, afternoon I came home from work, uh, and I was just, I don't know, I was sitting in the kitchen and um, I was just going to the sink there and I was doing some stuff. I kind of turned around and I saw uh, my, 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 my wife at that time uh, come in through the door and I noticed something on her face that something was not right. And I asked her, hey, honey, is everything okay? We both came from work, but she stopped on the way to the doctor's office. And uh, we found out that the tumor in her breast after a a test uh, that it was cancerous and it was quite large. So that began uh, kind of a period of about four years of of really, really difficult time of chemo, of radiation, of trials and all sorts of different treatments and uh, lots of tears, lots of pain. Lots of suffering. And during that time, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't all sad. Because I venture to say that this was one of the most intensely beautiful times in our lives at that time. Especially to see the Church of Christ. um, When we experience the love and grace of God 
poured out through his church, through the people that were in our community. I, I, I could not imagine this. It brought us all together as a community. And they came in and they encouraged us. In nonstop prayers, beloved, like every day they would pray for us. Churches in you know, all over North America, in Romania, all over, they were sending us messages. They were praying and praying and praying for us. Many people came from our community, tried to give us advice, and it was great. And it was an amazing thing to see God working. Now, when things got worse, and unfortunately at that time, we... We, you know, it, it did, they did get worse, and after a while, my wife could not walk and was not able to continue uh, because the um, cancer spread to her brain, and things went south from there on, and uh, the end was close. But even there, the church would not stop loving us, mm. and they would visit to encourage, they would cry with us. They would bring us food at different times. They would come to stay with her when I had to go to work sometimes and when my parents or her parents were not able to, to do that. They would just take shifts to be able to do that. Uh, this was amazing to me. Um, and then the night that she passed away, the church was there, they came. It was, I don't know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. Doesn't matter what they were doing. Lots of people from the congregation surrounded us with their love. They came into our home. They were just there with their presence to just love us and to pray with us. And even after that, beloved, though I was alone for the first time after many years, I didn't feel alone. Because even then, the church continued. They would visit. They would bring me food. They would try to encourage me to see how I'm doing. They would invite me over to their houses. Yeah, I was a single guy at that time. But they really took care of, of, of myself. And uh, yeah, and of course the Lord, uh, you know, brought Lydia into my life uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, we are happily married, so we're thankful for that. But God is so good in His grace through His church. Is the church perfect? No. But through this imperfect mechanism, this imperfect body of believers, the spirit of God and his grace were shown to me. Amen. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Guys, give him a hand. Hey? So just like you heard in his testimony, uh, Flavius needed the church. He was blessed by the church. God used the church to bless him, show him God's grace in his life. You all need that too. And there's a lot of people going through different struggles in our church, and we need each other. And if you're visiting or, or listening online and, and, um, and you aren't a part of the church community yet, um, find one. Find one where you can feel God's grace and love through the people. You need the church. Even if you didn't think you did, you do. So on to point three, the inheritance you didn't know was promised. Galatians 3.29, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. 
If you know your Bible, if you've grown, grown up in the church and have heard about the promises to Abraham, maybe you in, grew up in Sunday school singing a song, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. No? Nobody? Okay. I know some of you did. Um, but the, basically what happened, Genesis 15, Abraham, God calls Abraham and God is going to make a covenant with Abraham. And he says, look up at the stars of the sky. Uh, your off, so shall your off, offspring be. And at the time, Abraham and Sarah were already old and they didn't have children. And they're past the point of childbearing age and God's saying, listen, I'm going to give you children. And then through the rest, through a number of chapters in Genesis, you see the ups and downs of them believing that promise or not. But, but in that point, at that point, when God makes this promise to Abraham, Genesis tells us that Abraham believed and God, because of Abraham's faith, God declared him righteous. So the gift of faith was given to Abraham in that moment, and this is where we get the whole idea of justification by faith. It's, it's not rooted in the law. It's written, rooted in God's promise to Abraham all the way back in Genesis. And it is through that same faith, believing the promises of God through Jesus Christ, that he now adopts us into his family, giving us a new community and making us heirs of his kingdom. Romans 8, we read that we are fellow heirs with Christ. And if you think of an heir, you think of somebody who is receiving an inheritance from a a parent or a grandparent who has passed away, and that person probably, and maybe receiving a large sum, you receive, you think of uh, people who haven't had a lot of money and all of a sudden you hear these stories of this, some uncle died and this was the only, this nephew was the only surviving heir and he didn't realize that and all of a sudden he's blessed with just millions of dollars. This is the kind of thing we think about when we think about an inheritance and all of us are going, yeah, someday. <laughs> yeah, most of us won't. You might get something, but a massive thing like that you aren't going to get. Or you think about Prince William, who stands to inherit vast estates and untold fortunes when he becomes king. And you look at his inheritance and you say, yeah, I want that. When I hear that God is going to give me an inheritance, yes, I want that. Well, those things are nothing. Nothing in comparison to the inheritance that God is going to give you in Christ. And even the inheritance that you now already have in Christ. When William becomes king, he will pass away, and with him, so will his kingdom. What those estates, the, those riches, all of the travels, all of it will mean nothing when he stands before God, his maker. But for those who are inside Christ, it just gets better. Outside of Christ, whatever you have on this earth is as good as it gets. In Christ, you will receive the limitless riches of God's eternal kingdom. But not only will you enjoy the riches of his kingdom, you will enjoy it with the Lord, the one who has redeemed you and saved you. You will be living with Jesus face to face for eternity and with the entire family of God with you. With all the brokenness gone. 
All the division gone, all the sinfulness gone, all the anger, all the little petty disputes gone, all the gossip gone, all the lust gone, all the greed gone. Living with God's family in the new heavens and the new earth with Jesus as your Lord forever. And this inheritance is sealed by God himself. Look at these words from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. In him, being Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So this hope that we have of salvation, this hope of this immense inheritance of everything that God has, in his, the inheritance of his whole kingdom, this isn't some fly-by-night hope or something that you uh, like barely grasp on by a thread. This is something that is guaranteed by the sealed work of the Holy Spirit on your heart. When you are justified by faith in Christ, you're sealed. And this promise that God makes is guaranteed. In Jesus, you've been sealed now and already are enjoying the benefits of his kingdom. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And with his presence in our lives, he brings peace and he brings joy and he brings fellowship and he brings community and grace. And all of the goodness that we feel now as being a part of the church, all of the blessings that we receive and all of the grace, like you heard in Flavius' testimony, is just, it's just the smallest taste of the goodness that we'll have forever in God's kingdom. Listen to these words from Charles Spurgeon as I close. Um, and after I close also, we're going to have prayer teams uh, at the back. If you need prayer, um, we're going to have prayer teams available for you actually in the foyer, not up front. Um, the thinking is sometimes people don't want to come up front for prayer because they're worried about being watched. So we're going to try the back. We'll see if any of you go. But take these words, listen to these words from Charles Spurgeon talking about the incredible riches of God's kingdom. Why then, O believer, are you poor? All riches are yours. Why then are you sorrowful? The ever-blessed God is yours. Why do you tremble? Omnipotence waits to help you. Why do you distrust? His immutability, which immutability just means unchangingness of God. His immutability will abide with you even to the end and make his promise steadfast. All things are yours, for Christ is yours, and Christ is God's. And though there be some things which at present you cannot actually grasp in your hand, nor even see with your eye, such as the treasures of heaven, still by faith you can enjoy even these, for he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenlies in Christ." In him, or in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, so that our citizenship is in heaven. We enjoy even now the guarantee of heaven and the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Oh, what privileges belong to those who are the sons of God. 
Amen? Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercies. And Lord, that we can hear testimonies like Flavius has and even think in our own lives in all the ways that the church has been a blessing to us. Growing up in the church, learning your word from an early age. Or for those who joined later in life and now hear of your grace and are just starting to know your word and just are drinking it in and are feeling the love of the people of God around them. Lord, it is such a blessing to be in your family. So Lord, I pray for those who are here or those who are listening who aren't yet a part of your family. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you are working in their hearts and minds right now and that you are changing them from the inside out, that you are softening their hearts to Jesus, that you are convicting them of their sin and calling them to repentance and showing them the greatness of life in you. So Father, bless us as we continue to worship you. I pray for those who need prayer, Lord, would they come and receive prayer. We ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm.